Let's open our Bibles today, please, to the book of Acts. The book of Acts in the New Testament. We're continuing our series of lessons on where is God in my world. And if you've been here for the last several Sundays, uh, you'll remember that uh, Jesus was trying to get over to his disciples that God wasn't leaving them when he ascended into heaven. Uh, God was coming to them in a different person of the Trinity. We believe in our church in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And uh, they are equal uh, in, their, in their essence, but distinct in their personalities and ministries. And so today we'd like to talk to you about the event that Jesus was talking about to his disciples. He said, he said I'm going to pray to my Father and he's going to send to you a helper in your life. And he's going to come beside you and he's going to be in you and he's going to be there forever. This is a forever relationship. And so now in Acts chapter 2 we find uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is ascended into heaven. The Spirit now is coming down. And right before that tremendous event in chapter 1 I want to draw several things to your attention. Chapter 1, verse 13, the Bible says that this body of believers was meeting together in an upper room. And in verse number 12, what they were doing there, they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Uh, these followers of the Lord, were, they were having a prayer meeting. And uh, they were meeting together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers. And in verse 15 says, And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether the number of the names was about 120. They were meeting together in an upper room. There were 120 believers and Peter gets up to speak to the assembly. This is interesting to me because remember we saw Peter not too uh, long before this denying the Lord, hiding away from God, uh, stepping back away from God. But now he steps up and he takes his rightful place among the assembly. And he tells them how they are supposed to choose a successor to Jews. Somebody had to fill the ranks. Uh, there needed to be 12 apostles. And so he gave them the uh, script to do that and they, they prayed again. And uh, they decided that Matthias would be the successor to Judas and that he would join their ranks. And so for a period of time, they were coming together, they were waiting on God. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit made his presence known in the world in a new way. Probably in your Bible, as in my Bible, it reads the Acts of the Apostles. Some people like to view the book of Acts as the Acts of the Holy Spirit uh, because it was the Holy Spirit who moved upon the people to produce the Acts that are recorded right here in the book of Acts. It's interesting as you read the book of Acts, you'll notice that there is no, uh, there's no conclusion to it. It just kind of stops. It doesn't wind up like a lot of books in the Bible do. And the intimation that we get from that is the act of the believers are still going on today. You and I are a part of, remember that greater works thing we were talking to you about? Jesus said, I'm going to my Father, but 
greater works you shall do because I go to my Father. Not greater in quality, but greater in quantity. And so here they are, this little group of 120 in the upper room. And they're to the Lord. And I tell you, I guarantee you, uh, when a church comes together to pray, God really takes notice of that church. When you come together to pray, God takes notice of what's going on in your life. And He comes to your aid, and your relationship with Him is built. And let's look at verse number 1 of chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. The church in the upper room, uh, they were in unity, and they were on the same page, and they were all together. And suddenly there came a sound. And for those of you who like to underline things in your Bible or circle things, I'd like for you to circle the word sound. And there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. Again, circle the word fire. Because God is speaking to them through sound, through fire. A one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, in this verse, I ask you to underline the whole first part of the verse. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. This, to me, is the essence of the day of Pentecost. This is the center. This is the crux. This is what... This is what the day of Pentecost is all about. God came down upon the church and filled them all with the Holy Spirit. Now, you might want to write this verse above the word filled, controlled, because these people were yielded to God in obedience. You can never be filled by the Holy Spirit unless you yield to God. And certainly they were yielding to God. They were in humility. They were praying to the Lord. And the Lord says, listen, I think they're ready now to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And they were all controlled by the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, if we were to just draw a line there and not say anything else about this experience, you might have the wrong understanding of it, but we're not doing that today in verse 5. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, devout men, from every nation under heaven. Now, this is interesting. Every nation under heaven, you know, that's a lot of nations. It always has been. It always will be. Uh, the uh, center of the world is not Finleyville, although sometimes we think it is. Uh, we have a stop sign now, or uh, a red light. We've made we've made it. Uh, but the, the the nations of the world they're all around us, and here they have representatives of the nations of the world in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. Uh, it couldn't have been a more perfect time. Uh, there was this international, multilingual group of people that had come together to worship God. Just an opportune time for God to do His thing. They were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Uh, the word language here in the original Greek language is the word dialectos, from which we get the English word dialect. These people from all over the world, multilingual, international audience, came together, and now the church, 120 people, they start to talk in languages they had never learned. And these people began to hear in languages that they knew right well. And uh, I'd like to invite you to write this next to verse number 6, their mother tongue. Uh, 
That's the language that they were hearing the church speak in, their mother tongue. Uh, the tongue that their mother taught them. It's fun to watch kids uh, learn how to speak. We have little Jenna in our home, and, uh, and she's starting to put these words together, and, I'm, and we think she's quite brilliant, I, you know, uh, as every grandparent feels about their grandchild. And, and every time we see her, she lives in Ohio, every time we see her, she gets a little bit more fluent, a little bit more expressive. She's learned the word no. And when that happens, you know, life changes in the house. But she puts together sentences now, and it's really cool uh, to see her learn her mother's tongue. Her mother and dad are teaching her in the house how to speak. And that's what was going on in her at Pentecost. The church was overcome by the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak mother tongues of other people that were gathered together here in Jerusalem. Look at verse 7. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? They were surprised. How could this be? These people are only Galileans. And uh, they knew that um, Galileans weren't very educated. They, they could have never... They didn't go to language class to learn this. How could this be? How is it that we hear each one in our own language? That's the dialectos there. In which we were born, their mother tongue. And then the scripture gives uh, a listing of the different places that these people came from, and, and they're all over the place here. But in verse number 11, it tells what they were talking about in dialects that they had never learned. Verse number 11 says they were talking about the wonderful works of God. That's the subject of the day of Pentecost. The church is out there, and they're talking to these people the tongue that this guy learned from his mother. And they're talking to this person in that language, and they were talking about how wonderful God is, how great God is. Um, boy, this was confusing to a lot of people, because this hadn't happened before. Look at verse 12. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying one to another, Whatever could this mean? They, they were like scratching their head, man. This is a new one on us. We've never seen this before. Others mock, saying they are full of new wine. Some people said, yeah, we think they're drunk. Nobody could act like this and be in their right mind. Verse 14. But Peter, now here's Peter again. Now, Peter speaking in the church, remember, he tries to help them to get Matthias uh, involved in uh, being an apostle. But now he stands up again. And he's now he's outside of the church. You know, speaking in the church and speaking outside the church are two different things. You know, when you speak in the church, most of the time the people are friendly. I said most of the time. Uh, when you speak outside of the church, a lot of the time people aren't friendly. They don't want to hear what you have to say. But God says, listen, you've got to say it anyway. And so you're in the middle, right? God's pushing you, and they're resisting you, and you're trying to do your thing. So here's Peter. He has a new attitude since he's been filled with the Spirit. And he stands up with the eleven, and he raises his voice and says, Men and brethren, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. For these are not drunk. He said, Listen, people have not been to the bar, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. That happens later. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And and then he, 
He says, listen, this is a glimpse of what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, says the Lord, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and all my men servants and maidservants I will pour out my Spirit in that day. And so, uh, here we have it. The birthday of the church. This is when the Holy Spirit comes down to introduce himself to the church in a most dynamic way. Now, this is so interesting because remember in the last chapter of the book of Luke, this is what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, I want you out and preach repentance and remission of sins to everybody beginning in Jerusalem. That's your message. Go out and tell people to repent. They must repent in order to have their sins forgiven. Start in Jerusalem, but that's the mission. You can't do that until you wait in Jerusalem to be endued or clothed with power from on high. And so he listened, don't go into the ministry until you have the power to do the ministry. And of course, that's good advice for every age, isn't it? Uh, you know, whenever you first come to the Lord, you say, okay, boy, I'm going to get into the ministry. And crash, bang, right in the face. You say, whoa, this is harder than I thought it was. In fact, this is almost impossible. And, and then you realize, that I can't do this by myself. This is, this is a God thing. I have to have the power of God. And so that's what Jesus told his disciples in Luke chapter 24. Wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. And that's what they're doing. A lot of times when people come to Acts chapter 2, they think that's not only the birth of the church, but they think it's the birth of the Holy Spirit. They think the Holy Spirit started in Acts chapter 2. Of course, you know, if you know the Bible some, that that's not where the Holy Spirit started. In fact, we have a record of it way back in Genesis. Let's go to Genesis 1.1. Okay, let's read this together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Here we have the beginning of the Bible. God, God the Father, created the heavens and the earth. There was nothing there. And then it says the Spirit of God. That's the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So here we have God the Father, God the Spirit. And for those of you who are familiar with John chapter 1, you know there is God the Son. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same as in the beginning with God, all things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. So we know this, according to the Scriptures, that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit all work together in unity and cooperation to create the world uh, that you and I live in. Now, this was not, of course, the beginning of the Holy Spirit here. Because the Holy Spirit is God, and therefore, Psalm 90, verse 2 applies. The Scripture says, From everlasting to everlasting you are God. So, but in the, in the Old Testament, we find a number of illustrations of the Holy Spirit working in the Old Testament times. He just didn't step out onto the world arena in Acts chapter 2. Now, he was helping in his way here create the world. Uh, in Exodus chapter 31, uh, Moses was trying to build the tabernacle, and it says this. 
Uh, the Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri and the son of Ur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Exodus, second book of the Bible. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge in his mind. I have done something. I did something to his mind supernaturally. He's got supernatural wisdom. He has supernatural understanding. But he had more than that, the Bible says. And in all manner of workmanship, I have blessed his hands. Uh, whenever he does this thing that he does for work, it works. And so the Spirit came upon him in a special way. And then remember Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13. Remember, he was sent by God to anoint David to be king of Israel. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And God took this little shepherd boy out of the fields and he says, Listen, I have a bigger shepherding job for you. Uh, and you have, to be, you have to have the Holy Spirit to do this job. I'm going to anoint you with the Spirit. And then remember Samson. He was, a, he was a pitiful guy in the Bible. He really was. They were always trying to give him a haircut. He'd never go to the barber. And you know, he tried to get him in the barber's chair. He always escaped. Uh, Samson uh, was out one day, and he, the Bible says in uh, Judges chapter 14, verse 5, that he was surprised by a young lion who came roaring against him. Now, that would surprise you, wouldn't it? I mean, you'd probably die right on the spot. Just the thought of it. And so uh, here, out of nowhere, this lion came against Samson. And listen to this verse. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart. Wow, that's big, isn't it? And so the Holy Spirit was uh, pretty busy in those days as well. But the Holy Spirit here in, in the, on the day of Pentecost was going to launch uh, the church. He was going to birth the church. And uh, we... Uh, we credit uh, the birth of the church to the day of Pentecost. And that was the introduction of the message. Okay? Now let's look at chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, the timing of Pentecost. Uh, Pentecost happened every year. You know, you've heard the term Pentecostal, Pentecostal experience, things of that nature. Uh, Pentecost was not an experience. It was a holy day. It was a festival. It was a Jewish festival that took place every year. And it's so interesting to study the Jewish festivals. I know some of you have. Uh, you know, in Judaism, they didn't have holidays like we do. They had holy days. And they came together and they celebrated God. You know, um, Joanne and I have been to Israel, as I've said a number of times. And I remember we were in Tiberias one time. And, uh, you know, there's nothing as beautiful as Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee, oh, and all these beautiful hotels to get the money of the tourists in Tiberias. And, and uh, somebody said, hey, they're going to have a big celebration down in the city of Tiberias tonight. And uh, so I thought, man, I want to see what that's all about. And it was so much fun. You know, people were packed out into the streets and had all this music going on. And these people were like celebrating God celebrating God. They had all this music and they were doing all this dancing. And they had like the, um, the Torah, the law. You know, it's a big role of things. The big thing they carry. Uh, the law of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. 
And, and these guys are, and they're dancing around with the, the Torah. Boy, I hope they didn't drop that thing. They'd be in trouble, I don't think. I think. But I mean, it was so excited. I wanted to get out there and dance right with them, man. It was, it was fun. But that's what these festivals were about in Israel. People came together. They wanted to come together. They wanted to come to celebrate God. This festival was the festival of harvest. The harvest had come in. And they came together and they celebrated the harvest. Uh, in Deuteronomy, I think we have that, Deuteronomy 16. Let's read this. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, at the feast of unleavened bread, at the feast of weeks, and at the feast of tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. I want you to bring something to me. This is a significant verse in the Bible. It says, first of all, that there are three compulsory festivals that Israel was supposed to come to Jerusalem for. If you lived in Israel, you were supposed to show up. The first was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and this was the Passover. Okay? The Passover. The second was the Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost. The third was the Feast of Tabernacles, and, uh, and so these people had a lot of opportunities to come together for religious festivals. And they had a, I'm sure they had a religious element, and they had a social element. You know, they didn't have TV and pay-per-view and video games. This is what they had. And they looked forward to going to these social events, uh, and they came together. And so the timing was perfect for the coming of the Holy Spirit, because this passage up here says, listen, you better show up. I want you to show up to celebrate who I am and my blessings upon your life. And so they did. They came by the thousands uh, into Jerusalem. And so the timing was perfect. Uh, Pentecost means 50, 50th. And it's, that simply means that 50 days after the Passover, it was time again to go back to Jerusalem to celebrate the harvest. And the, the timing couldn't have been better. The target was Jerusalem and the Jews. That was God's target. You know, just uh, a, day, a few days ago, we heard about this uh, earthquake here in our country. And every time you hear the earthquake, you, you hear the term epicenter. That means ground zero. That means where it started and how it moved out. Well, whenever God came down to Jerusalem, that's ground zero. The epicenter of the Christian faith. Uh, the Jews, they were his target. He wanted to reach them because they were his people. They were, the, they were the people of his love, the Jewish people. And so uh, he targeted Jerusalem and the Jews. But there were many surprises that took place on that day. Let's look at a few of them, beginning in verse number 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house. Now, it wasn't actually a wind, but it was the sound of a wind. Now, wind is kind of an ominous thing, isn't it? Remember a few weeks ago I told you there was a big... It was a, it, this was the real thing, a wind that came through Finleyville, and I thought, okay, the house is finished. I know the shingles are all gone. Uh, the siding is all gone, but I'm not getting up. 
Uh, I should be down in the basement with a mattress over my head, but I can't do that. I'm too macho for that. I'd just rather blow away. That's a, that's a guy thing, isn't it? And so we, I got up the next day, looked at the house. It was all, in, all intact. I was so surprised. But God got their attention, first of all, by what they heard. There was a sound as a wind. Uh, it filled the house. And then secondly, when there, there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. Now, I wish I had a picture of this to visualize it to you because I think it looked like this. Here are all these people, 120 of them. And uh, these... These little pieces, pieces of fire in the form of a tongue came down and were over each, each head of each person. And so, so if you were looking out across the congregation, you would be seeing all these little pieces of fire. A fire was an emblem of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fire purifies the Holy Spirit purifies, doesn't it? He purifies our heart. He forgives us of our sin. The Holy Spirit, fire energizes and fire spreads, doesn't it? And so the Holy Spirit, that's His ministry among us, to come to purify us, to energize us, and to spread the Word of God through us. Now, this is so interesting to me. Here we have tongues on fire. What's that all about? I believe that God here was saying to the people, I want to take the tongue, which is normally not on fire for God, and I want to set it on fire for me. Because the tongue too often was set on fire from where? From hell. James chapter 3, verse 6. The, the tongue is a fire, the fire of hell. And all of us have experienced tongues from hell, haven't we? We have been the recipients of tongues from hell, and we have been initiators of tongues from hell. The tongue, the Bible says, is hard to tame. But here on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, and in effect, He says, I'm going to change your tongue. And I'm going to set it on fire from heaven, not hell. And you're going to have a heavenly tongue. You're going to speak the things of heaven to the world. You really are. Um, tongues set on fire from heaven. Uh, John the Baptist talked about this baptism on fire in Matthew chapter 3, verse number 11. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. I, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus referred to this in Acts 1.5. He said, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, this baptism, of course, of fire had a purpose. And that purpose is found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And let's look at that. Let's read this together, okay? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, the day of Pentecost was not to give the church a spiritual buzz 
not to make people have a cataclysmic experience. The day of Pentecost was for the Holy Spirit to come down and to empower and indwell believers. The Holy Spirit was introducing himself to the church. The Holy Spirit was coming down to baptize them into the body of Christ, and we're going to do that next week. I baptize them into the body of Christ and fill them for ministry and give them power. That's the purpose of Pentecost. Uh, power to speak. You know, it's one thing to speak to the church, and I know that, you know, I appreciate our Sunday school teachers. They try to do their best every week to speak to the church. It's not too threatening. But uh, you go to work and you try to speak to your friends there, or you try to go to some other people, I'll tell you, it's pretty hard. Uh, That's when you need your tongue set on fire from God. Uh, That's when you need to have heavenly tongues. Uh, When you need to speak out, filled with the Spirit. Uh, This is about the exact place I got in the first service. And so we're going to stop it right there. Let's put it on pause, okay? Would you push pause? Okay. And we'll pick up right there next week, and the ladies will be away, and they'll have to get it some other way. But I'm sure they'll have a good time there. Let's bow our heads and prepare our hearts for communion. I'd like to ask the men who are serving communion to come and prepare. And uh, let's all bow our heads and ask the Lord to look into our heart today to see if there's anything in there that uh, God is speaking to us about. And, and you know, I, I'd really be surprised if, if God wasn't speaking about anything because He's always trying to raise the standard in our life. And I'm glad of that. He's always trying to make us better, always trying to spur us on to help us to be a more effective Christian than we really are now. And so in order for those things to happen, he convicts us of certain things in our life. Things that we need to change, relationships that we need to abandon, practices that we need to adopt. And maybe the Lord has been speaking to you recently about some things just on that order. But you've been kind of doing your own thing and not listening to acutely. As we wait right now upon the Lord, would you submit to him? Say, Lord, I'm not running any longer. I'm changing this in my life. Uh, I want to be ready right now when we pass the communion elements uh, to, be, uh, is to be in good communion with you. Not perfect. We can never be that. But uh, obedient, I guess that's the word. Dear Lord, as we partake of communion now, we take these elements, the element of, of uh, grape juice, Lord, which represents your, your blood, the price that was paid for our salvation. Oh, we thank you for this, and Lord, for this uh, little piece of bread that which represents your broken body. We pray that uh, you will help us now as we do exactly what you told us to do so long ago. Do it in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Gentlemen, let's serve the bread first uh, as, uh, as we prepare to get the congregation ready.